0: Welcome, and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Every year in the month of June, we take some time and we talk about the family. And last week, we talked about the church family. And each week, we're going to talk about a different element of the family. But today, we're really excited to talk about how to be content no matter where you are in your family stage, whether you're single, whether you're married, married with kids, married without kids, grandparents, great-grandparents, wherever you're at, how to be content in that. And we had the perfect person that we asked to come and deliver the message this morning, and his name's Chris Cook. He's going to come in just a second, but I just want to give you just a little bit of background on this guy. Not only is he a great friend of Every time I meet with this guy, we go out, you know, from time to time. I leave there sharpened. I leave there differently than when I came into the restaurant. Do you ever have friends like that? That when you just go, you just sense the presence of God when you're talking. You just feel encouraged when you leave. That's Chris Cook for Megan and I. And on top of that, he has a podcast called Win Today it's a growing podcast in the metro Detroit area. He has interviewed some pretty uh, impactful speakers that you would all know. People like Levi Lesko. He's got John Bevere coming on the show next week. And the whole point of this show is to help people Understand how to get whole from the inside out. You see, we all go through life and, and we get broken sometimes throughout the process of life. Pain hits us, things come our way we didn't expect. But Chris has this passion to help people become whole and become the best versions of themselves. And so I'm really excited for you to be able to hear him this morning. And I would encourage you to go ahead and download his podcast called Win Today. You will be blessed By it. But also what I love about Chris is I, when I think of Chris Cook, I think of Samuel from the Bible. Samuel was dropped off at the temple when he was just a a young toddler. And he grew up in the church and he learned to hear God's voice from a very young age. And God set him apart to be a prophetic voice to his people. And Chris, I'm telling you, that's you, brother. I mean, from a young age, Chris has set apart his life. He seeks the Lord. He's got such a depth in his walk with the Lord. And you'll just feel that, and you'll just sense that as he speaks to you this morning. So without further ado, let's give it up for Chris Cook as he comes to speak this morning.
1: What a man. Wow. Thanks, man. I love this place. It's so good to be here, Pastor Tony, Pastor Trees, Chris, Megan. Thank you so much. I feel like this place is home. Love this family. More specifically, though, the family. Watch this.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: You say yeah. Yeah, it's her. Oh my God, He's a woman? Yeah. I'm glad to meet what you. What is this, thing <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Goo.
0: Hey, you're okay. That's something from Google. the house, but it's you have to say hey Google or okay. Google. Hey Google, okay Google, what's the weather? Go. Yeah, what's what? the
1: weather? Ask
0: what the weather
1: you want to know what is the weather tomorrow.
0: Tomorrow in Flagler Beach tomorrow, there'll be showers with a high of 65 and a low of 56.
1: Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> It's a mystery. Watch it, man. I'm scared. I'm scared. It's a mystery. Oh my gosh. No. Ask ask Google to play an Italian song. Play a song for me Piemontezina Bella. You have to say Addio dei giorni passati. Addio. So, okay, you don't have to tap it first. But to wake it up, you have to either say, hey, Google,
0: or okay,
1: Google. Hey, Google. Okay, Google.
0: <laughs> Play an Italian song. And then Play an Italian song. So it has to light up after you say that, otherwise it didn't hear you correctly.
1: Yes. You know how salame, perché <laughs> il mio cosa dice. I get it. Hello, Google. Hey
0: or okay. Hey, okay? Okay.
1: Google. <laughs> Do it. how many of you have a Nona like that at home I'm on the east side I better see some hands up so good well listen I love this place as I said but here's what I love about this place because I know you're a church that knows how to pronounce this word looking for it it's okay no I'll move past it the word is spelled I'll just spell it for you I wanna hear you pronounce it, R-I-C, there it is. I wanna hear, hear some of you pronounce this word. How do you pronounce that? Thank you, Jesus. I feel the anointing rising in this place. I heard some of y'all say ricotta. Not in this place, Pastor Tony. So good, now listen. Being in this place, because I'm Italian, and so as I said, I feel like I'm family. I know there are people in this room who have definitely seen a guy about a thing. Raise your hand if you know what it means to see a guy about a thing. How many of you have ever said to someone, don't worry about it? (laughs) I have. So good. Today's Sunday. So after church today, you're going to eat. How many of you know how to eat on Sunday afternoon? Come on, somebody. Now listen, this is a differentiator. I got to know. How many of you have sauce? Raise your hand. And how many of you have gravy? So where are the Sicilians at? Oh my word, this is so good. And speaking of that, I know for good and sure you don't eat here. Uh Uh-oh. Right? So true. Oh, so much fun. Well, listen guys, I love my Italian heritage so much and in it I found such an incredible place, a belonging and connection. I have the most incredible family. I have the most incredible friends. Chris and Megan are two of them. Love you both so much. But if I can be candid and be honest with you for a moment, the accumulation of really painful circumstances in my own life and negative circumstances communicated to me that I was alone. A broken spirit that was fueled by fear and shame said, Chris, you are alone inside yourself. And so, Guess what, I believed as though I was alone. And because I believed that I was alone, I thought like I was alone. And because I thought like I was alone, I talked as though I was alone. And because I talked like I was alone, I lived each and every day as if I was alone inside myself, despite the fact that I've got an incredible family, incredible friends, because fear and shame does that. Fear and shame causes us to live isolated and insulated inside ourselves. Here's a stat for you, 85% of communication of meaning is nonverbal. So without a single word coming out of my mouth, guess what I was telling people? I was alone. Was any of this true? No, absolutely not. But my perspective about my position in life, because of the accumulation of circumstances in my life, determined the posture by which I lived every single day of my life. Here's the deal, because I lived and thought that I was rejected, guess who I attracted into my life? People who reject people. And to be super candid, that's kind of been my relationship's history. Is any of that true? Was I alone? Am I alone? No, but a believed lie will cause me to live as if that lie is true. (laughs) See, this is really interesting. And I'm sure you can relate. Maybe there are men in the room here today. No matter how hard you work and how much you achieve, there's a little boy from your past deep down inside your childhood that says, you don't have what it takes. It's a really painful place to be. And maybe for the women in the room today, no matter how much love you give to your family and how much you pour out way into your past, there's a little girl that says, It's not what you have or haven't done. It's just you. You're not enough. You're not worthy of connection and belonging. And so that inner wounded child causes you to live as though you are alone. Now here's the deal. We know this as as, as believers. The word of the Lord says that he will never leave us or forsake us. We know that, right? And I wanna say this respectfully because the word is true regardless of our circumstances. But how many of you will be honest with me to say that you've experienced circumstances in your life that, char- that challenge the validity of the promise of the Lord of your life. He says he will never leave you or forsake you. But you have circumstances that run up against that thing and say, I'm not sure that's actually true. And we have the opportunity in that place to, s- to decide what we're going to believe and attach our belief system to. My perspective about my position in life created the posture by which I lived every single day of of my life. And guess what? The same will be for you. Your perspective about your position in life will determine the posture by which you will live life. So the question today, my friends, is this. Are you and I really alone? Are we? That's the question we're going to tackle today. I'm going to look first through the lens of relationships. So if you have your Bibles with you, I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I read out of the Passion Translation, so if you're using a device, you can hop on Uversion. TPT is the address, but it'll be on the screen as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, starting in verse 17. I'm going to skip around a little bit. Paul says, May all believers continue to live the wonderful lives God has called them to live according to what he assigns for each person. For this is what I teach believers everywhere. If when you were called to follow Jesus, you were circumcised, it would be futile to try to undo the circumcision. And if you were called while yet uncircumcised, there is no need to be circumcised. Verse 19, your identity before God has nothing to do with circumcision or whether you're married or unmarried or by what you do or by what you have or by what people think or say about you. Your identity before God has nothing to do with circumcision or uncircumcision. What really matters is following God's commandments. So everyone should continue to live faithful in the situation of life in which they were called to follow Jesus. Down to verse 25. He says, now let me address the issue of singleness. I must confess, I have no command to give you that comes directly from the Lord. But let me share my thoughts on the matter as coming from one who has experienced the mercy of the Lord to keep me faithful to him. Verse 26, because of the severe pressure we are in, I recommend you remain as you are. If you're married, stay in the marriage. If you're single, don't rush into marriage. Boy, is that hard. But if you do get married, you haven't sinned. It's just that I would want to spare you the problems you'll face with the extra challenges of being married. Verse 31 is really critical folks. We are to live as those who live in the world system, but are not absorbed by it. For the world as we know it is quickly passing away. Because of this, we we need to live as free from anxiety as possible. For a single man is focused on the things of the Lord and how he may please him. But a married man is pulled in two directions. For he's concerned about both the things of God and the things of the world in order to please his wife. And the single woman is focused on the things of the Lord so she can be holy both in body and in spirit but a married man is concerned about the things of the world and how she may please her husband. Here it is, verse 35. I'm trying to help you and make things easier for you and not make things difficult, but so that you would have undistracted devotion, serving the Lord constantly with an undivided heart. Let's pray. Father, I do pray today, Lord, as we open your word and dive into your, uh, your presence, Father, that Today would be a, a marked day in people's lives, that today they would discover, maybe for the first time, that they are not alone. Father, I pray uh, for a spirit of redemption to just fall in this place. Father, that people would run to you with reckless abandon. We thank you for the power of your word and the power of your spirit. Amen. Amen. I want to go back to verse 19. This is really important. He said, your, your identity before God has nothing to do with circumcision or uncircumcision. And as I kind of jokingly said, or whether you're married or unmarried or... What people say about you or what you do or have not done or what you even have but your identity will have everything to do with those things if you believe it does why because your perspective about your position determines the posture by which you live life see a believed lie empowers the lie to become truth in your life and people who live from a true identity in christ know this Again, your perspective about your position in life determines the posture by which you live life. Perspective creates posture in every area of our life. And I really believe that the overriding perspective of a person who believes they are alone inside of themselves is simply stated in a simple math equation. And it's this, if plus when equals then if bad circumstances go away, then I'll be happy. If I meet this person by next year, then I'll be fulfilled and know who I am. If I get a raise in the next few months, then I'll finally have respect at home. See, but the problem with this, with this perspective, folks, is that it is founded upon a pain-pleasure motivation cycle. And truth be told, if we are led by a pain, pleasure, motivation all the days of our life, it's going to keep us stuck in a place of developmental immaturity as a child. So what about all of us? If you believe that you'd be happier, and you're, you're unmarried right now, if you believe you'd be happier when you were married, and you can't find a place of f- fulfillment until you're married, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. And at the same time, if you're currently married and really unhappy and believe that you made the greatest mistake of your life by getting married, guess what? The same is true. If plus when equals then is really, really bad math. So I want to take this from theory into practice I'm going to bring this down on a granular level. I want to give you, if you're taking notes, write this down. I want to give you two common perspectives that I believe keep us stuck. As I said, Your perspective about your position in life determines your posture. I like to teach. I like to repeat. Perspective creates posture. Perspective number one that keeps us stuck is this. We confuse being single and unmarried with being alone. In fact, they are not synonymous terms. You can be unmarried and whole at the same time. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 19. He says, your identity, again, folks, we're talking about identity. Your identity before God has nothing to do with circumcision or uncircumcision, or whether you're married or unmarried, what you do or haven't done, or what you have, or what people say. What really matters is following God's commandments so everyone should continue to live faithful in the situation of life in which they're called to Jesus. Here's the deal. If more single people got married, I really believe the divorce rate in the church would go down. You're saying, Chris, what? But the problem is, folks, is that too many alone people get married. You should never get married until you're single. You should never get married until you're single. In fact, I'm gonna just take a sidestep and say this, inside of your marriage, one of the things I love about Chris and Megan, they're two of my best friends, what they bring to their marriage, and I love you both so much, is that you bring wholeness to your marriage. You bring the pursuit of wholeness to your marriage, and because they find their wholeness in Christ, they have something to contribute to that marriage. Here's the thing, alone people, people who believe they're alone, are motivated by fear and shame isolation, and the fear of rejection, while single people, whole people, are motivated by the pursuit of wholeness from the inside out, spirit, soul, and body. If you're taking notes, again, perspective number two, then, is we confuse being married with being whole automatically. As I just alluded to with Chris and Megan, you know, the best marriages, I believe, folks, are made up of two people who are pursuing wholeness in their identity in christ and then bring that to a marriage and have something to contribute i I grew up in the household of two of the best professional counselors in metro detroit hands down bar none um and it was just really an incredible experience to grow up under their wisdom and i remember as a as a teenager uh when dating started to happen they told my sister and me marriage won't make marriage will never make you happy you know, you're like thinking, "Oh my gosh, what am I doing then?" No, but here's their point: Jesus makes you happy, and and you take that place of identity and the pursuit of wholeness to marriage, and you experience happiness in your marriage. It's not to say the relationship doesn't have conflict. It's just to say the central place of fulfillment is in your identity in Christ. In fact, yesterday we had a little family thing, and um, I was talking to my dad. And uh, I said, isn't it, isn't it funny? Because two alone people in a marriage really set the stage for a lot of disappointment and distraction and potentially even infidelity. Worse, they're just roommates. And he, he made a great comment. He said, it would be good if they were just roommates because two alone people who are married just hate each other. Like roommates actually kind of like each other. And that's the point of the fact that we have to pursue wholeness from the inside out. It's like Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, when two whole people come to marriage, I believe this is possible. He said, one may be overpowered, two can resist, but a cord of three strands, you know the rest, is what? Come on, that's right. Your perspective about your position determines the posture by which you live. See, when you live with the perspective of if plus when equals then, the overriding posture in your life is typically fear of rejection, isolation, Worse victimhood but here's the thing i want to tell you and this is what i love about the fact that we're in this family series you were never designed to be the solo act in your own narrative remember in genesis chapter 2 the lord said it's not good that man be alone you pull that out you get into the hebrew text he was talking less about marriage and more about community it's why he said let us make man father son holy spirit the elohim were three in one it's, it's pointing to the need for community. Again, I, as I said, the overriding posture is often the fear of rejection, insecurity, and living as a victim inside yourself. Again, if you're taking notes, I want to give you three postures of people who believe they're alone. Number one, people who believe they're alone inside themselves look for love in all the wrong places. Remember that song? Looking for the." Mm-hmm. Whether or not you and I realize it, we've attracted the people we have in our life for good or for dysfunctional. And moreover, the person we're becoming from the inside out is going to determine the people that will be attracted into our life. If we're pursuing wholeness from the inside out and we know how to set healthy boundaries and um, we have a a good dose of self-awareness and emotional health it's going to be likely that we're going to have those people in our life. And we're going to be able to sniff out people who are dysfunctional and not good for us. This is really interesting here. In 1 Corinthians, 13, 1 Corinthians 13, I should say, verse 11, I think it's going to be on the screen here. Paul stated, When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I did away with childish things. Again, as I, when I began... My message today, I I talked to the men and the women, I said, where's the little wounded boy inside your life that says you don't have what it takes? Where's the little wounded girl in your life that says, it isn't what you have or haven't done, it isn't what you have or haven't done, it's just you, you're not enough. See, if we don't put away childish things, that inner wounded child that we haven't brought resolution to and wholeness to is going to make relationship decisions for us every day of our life. I'm going to say that again if we don't get healed up on the inside from the inside out and pursue wholeness that inner wounded child is going to make relationship decisions for us we don't see the world as it is we see it as we are <laughs> we don't see ourselves as as we truly are we see through the lens of whatever is fueling our belief system remember what I said earlier the greatest family, the greatest friends. But because of a broken spirit inside of me that was fueled by fear and shame, I believed as though I was alone. And my belief system set up my thought life. My thought life set up the words that came out of my mouth. And the words that came out of my mouth propelled me into a direction with my life. Proverbs chapter 18, 14, this is really a big deal for my own life. Proverbs 18, 14 says that the strong spirit of a man can bear up under trial or persecution. But who can bear up under a broken, failing spirit? Folks, this is the core issue. It's a broken spirit. The reason we can't see what we really need to see is because a broken spirit is like a crack in a good pot and all the life and the truth of the word and the spirit is flowing out. We've got to get healed up on the inside, it's like in, in, in the book of Numbers, you remember this, the children of Israel were, were marching to the promised land and, and they had such a broken spirit inside of them, they had been taken out of slavery, but slavery didn't get out of them. I said they had been taken out of slavery, but slavery never got out of them. Moses was pastoring the largest church ever with three million people, and out of those three million people, folks, two. Two. Two made it. Why? Numbers says that Joshua and Caleb were of a different spirit. Your perspective about your position in life will determine the posture by which you live every single day. I'm not even on number two yet. (laughs) Posture number two, if you're taking notes People who believe they are alone Draw life from the wrong source Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 2 In verse 13 Jeremiah says For my people have committed two evils They have abandoned, rejected me The fountain of living water And they have carved out their own cisterns Broken cisterns that cannot hold water My pastors, Dave and Ann Wilson Wrote a book uh, called Vertical Marriage I don't know if, uh, if many of you have heard of them or it um, and one of the main thoughts of David Ann's book, Vertical Marriage, is that a lot of people, maybe a year in or five years or ten years in, think they've married the wrong person. Yikes. But the problem is, is that they're looking in the wrong source for their fulfillment. Jerry Maguire had it all wrong. You don't complete someone else. Jesus completes you as he builds you from the inside out. See, you'll, you'll never get the horizontal relationship right, Dave and Ann say, until you get the vertical relationship right. See, an alone person is a person motivated by fear and shame. And as a result, they have no deep-seated sense of worth inside themselves. And so their, their primary disposition is to, is to assert themselves in an overt and often insecure manner in the context of a relationship. So they're proving themselves all the time because there's nothing to draw wholeness from. So two things happen as as a result of that is, number one, the alone person lives in a constant state of anxiety. If you don't know who you are on the inside out, you're looking for external stimuli to dictate your worth and your value. And number two, this is the hard part, people who believe they are alone inside of a relationship often suck the life out of that relationship. How many of you have been in a relationship where the other party is draining? Yeah? Now, this is the harder question. How many of you, in your own process of development and maturity, have been the person that has sucked the life out of a relationship? I'm the only one. <laughs> but the reason I'm willing to say that is because, again, my, my perspective about my position in life determined the posture of by which I lived every single day of my life. I believed that I was alone. So I thought like it. So I talked like it. So I lived like it. Number three, people who believe they are alone pursue happiness as a means to discover personal worth and value. <laughs> right now you're saying, what? I thought that, that's what our country was founded upon. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of... But if I could just... Tell you my honest opinion. I believe the pursuit of happiness in and of itself, in order to discover your worth and value, is short-sighted. I believe it's short-sighted, and instead, I believe we should pursue purpose. I want to want to teach you a little something. This is going to be a little academic, but I, when I read this yesterday, I, I said I got to add this to the message. Father Thomas Keating, was a Trappist monk, he passed away in 2018, taught that as children, we all need an appropriate amount of power and control, affection and esteem, and security and survival for healthy psychological grounding. He went on to say, but as adults, we get ourselves into trouble when we over-identify with one of those programs for happiness, which keeps us developmentally and spiritually stuck. The accumulation of painful circumstances in my own life as a little boy, despite the fact that I like I had I have the best parents ever. Just the best. But the fear, the shame, the, the broken spirit in me caused me to assert myself and go over to power and control. Say, I've got to live and create a very small, safe, stuck life because of fear of losing control and fear of losing the power of what might or might not happen in my own life. It's a very scary place to be. So a researcher and author, his name's Chris Huberts, went on to write this. He said, It's important to remember that power and control, affection and esteem and security and survival aren't bad needs in and of themselves. The problem arises when in our adult lives we become addicted to one of these programs to maintain our Happiness. The pursuit of happiness, I believe, is short-sighted. Instead, we pursue purpose. In purpose, we find our true identity in Christ and return to our true self. When When we pursue purpose, I believe happiness is then a byproduct of that pursuit. See, in purpose, folks, we find significance. And in significance, we find true joy. And because the joy of the Lord is our Come on, somebody. I love being in this church. Y'all know the word. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength that allows us to live a focused life primarily upon our identity, who we are in Christ, and whose we are in Christ. And we live from that place. But I believe the counterfeit of the joy of the Lord is circumstantial happiness. See, a healthy perspective should be formed and our posture will then be determined when we live inside and from our identity. Sons and daughters of the king who abide in the house of the Lord know this. They know whose they are. They know who they are. They know where home is. And I want to say this to you today. Whether you're married, whether you're unmarried, no matter the stage you are at in life, many of you in this room today are living alone inside yourself. Maybe you've been been married for 25 years, and it's not that you don't have a good marriage, but you go to sleep at night, and that little boy or that little girl says, you don't have what it takes. It isn't what you have or haven't done, it's just you, you're not enough. So how do we cope, how do we compensate? You you work harder, you earn more, because that deep-seated sense of identity is not there. Sons and daughters, my friends, Know where home is they know who they are and know whose they are and I want to say this to you if you're stuck and alone It's time to come home Amen. 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 By By 2014 I was sick and tired of being sick and tired two years prior um, My mom passed away after an 18-year battle with incurable cancer. It was the greatest loss of my life up until that point because my identity was wrapped up in that circumstance. And to be honest with you, there was no consideration of anything other than a miracle here in this life. So she died November 21st, 2012. And for the next two years, I found myself in a constant state of critical anxiety and post-traumatic stress. I was having no less than 15 panic attacks a day. But two years on, I, I just, man, something inside of me said, you can't live like this anymore. And I said, yep, you're right. I can't live like this anymore. I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. The fear was real. The grief was real. The pain was real. The trauma was real. The circumstance, the loss was real, but so was my purpose. Amen. Amen. There are people in this room today who are experiencing a or who have experienced severe loss in your life. Maybe a brother passed away, a parent, or you experienced infidelity in your relationship. The fear is real, the grief is real, the loss is real. My friend, but so is your purpose. The critical day for me, instead of my own story, was the day that I decided that what Jesus did for me was greater than what happened to me, is the day I took the first step into the pursuit of wholeness. Now, it was not an overnight thing like praise the Lord and The holy spirit hits me and i wake up the next day and everything's fine no 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 how many even know dave and connie bauer yeah Yeah, dave and connie are my heroes and just they came alongside me in a critical place um, and mentored me into uh the first steps of wholeness and that was a two-year process in fact to this day um, dave and i meet on the regular because i don't know what i don't know and i want to grow to become the man that god has called me to be And yeah it's just to say that that the day I realized that what Jesus did for me is greater than what happened to me is the day I began to move forward and the same will be for you here's the thing this is why we don't change is because we don't realize that the pain of regret is actually going to be greater than the pain of making a change change hurts the pursuit of wholeness requires change and it will be painful but the day you decide that what Jesus did for you is greater than what happened to you is the day you're going to move forward into a place of wholeness my perspective about my position determined the posture by which I would live life I want to go to Hebrews chapter 3 I'm so grateful for this worship team I got to tell you all the, word, the, the spirit of praise and worship in this place is so great. Chains break, chains break. Like nothing stands between us, like we saying this morning. Nothing stands between us. But something will stand between you if you don't get renewed in here. Not because, of, not because of what's true, but because of what you believe what's true. Hebrews chapter 3. This is on the screen. Beginning in verse 6. It says, But Christ the Messiah was faithful over his own father's house as a son and master of it. And it is we, say we. It is we who are now members of this house, critical, critical word, if we hold fast and firm to the end our joyful and exultant confidence and sense of triumph in our hope in Christ. Verse 7, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. I'm going to skip down to verse 10, talking about the children of Israel. The Lord says, and so I was provoked, I was displeased and sorely grieved with that generation and said, they always err and are led astray in their hearts and have not, excuse me, and are led astray in their hearts and they have not perceived or recognized my ways and become progressively better and more experimentally and intimately acquainted with them. Here's the point, we're already in the house. It is now we who are members of this house. If, if. Why would he say if? Isn't the finished work of Jesus enough to sign, seal, and deliver your entrance into the house? Yes. But here's what happens, folks. Imagine this. Door to the house. We're pounding, pounding on the door. you, you got to let me in. you got to let me in. I'm desperate. I'm broken. I'm hurting. I don't know who I am. you got to let me in. And it appears as though the father is staying silent. Well, guess what? He can't answer a prayer he's already answered. The prayer that he's already answered, is said, check your pocket. you got the keys in your pocket. It is now we who are members of this house. If, if. We hold fast and firm to our steadfast assurance in our hope in Christ. Friends, it's time to put the key in the door and open the door. You're already in the house. If you're stuck and alone, it's time to come home. Your perspective about your position will determine the posture by which you live every single day of your life. Remember in Genesis chapter 3, Eve eats the apple. She and Adam take off. The first thing they do is sew themselves clothes out of fig leaves, and the Lord then comes. What did Adam and Eve do? Come on, let me hear you. They hid. So the Lord comes to them and says, Adam, where are you? Adam says, We are naked and ashamed, and so we hid. I'd like to propose to you today that the Lord wasn't asking Adam where he was because he didn't know where he was. The Lord was asking Adam where he was because he wanted Adam to realize what he was doing. Shame will cause you to hide. Who told you you were naked, the Lord said to Adam. My friends, who told you you were alone? Who told you you were alone? It is now we who are members of this house. Your perspective about your position determines the posture by which you live every single day of your life. If you believe you're alone, here's good news right here. Even though you were once distant from him, this is Colossians 1. Living in the shadows of your evil thoughts and actions, he reconnected you back to himself. He released his supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body as the sin payment on your behalf so that you would dwell in his presence. And now here it is. Man, we sang it this morning, Phil. And now there is nothing that stands between you and Father God for he sees you as holy, flawless, and restored. Even though you were once distant from him means that if you've made Jesus your Lord, you are no longer distant from him today, right now, right here now here's the problem folks down in verse 10 as I read in in Hebrews chapter 3 he says therefore harden not your hearts a lot of times we read that scripture and think oh that sounds good because in our Christianese sphere if you will we don't often poke into the word into the original context to really understand what he's talking about with the hardened heart the hardened heart is right here A believed lie empowers the lie. A believed lie more specifically empowers the liar. Israel had seen the Lord's work, his provision. They had been brought out of slavery, but as I said, Pastor Tony, slavery never got out of them. How many of us today have been brought out of pain, out of shame and out of fear, but pain, fear, shame, guilt never got out of us? See, the insulated heart is a self-protected heart. It's a scared heart. It's a hurt heart. It's a disappointed heart. It's a jaded, cynical heart. Now here's the thing. Many could easily transpose what I just said and said, you don't have compassion for my circumstance. No, it's not that at all. No one is invalidating things that you've walked through. It's just to say that the day that you decide that what Jesus did for you is the day you will take a step into your purpose the day that you decide that what jesus did is greater than what happened to you it's a really big deal see the insulated heart is the foundation upon which an alone life is built i want to show you something this is the cycle of pain and this is what happens we all experience pain loss and hurt and this is hebrews 3 in a nutshell as a result of pain loss and hurt we then insulate our hearts Hebrews chapter three, verse 10, they are always led astray and they err, not in their actions or words, but in their heart. So we self-protect and it makes sense. If I've experienced pain, the last thing I'm gonna do is step out in the same area and and say, I'm gonna have a go at it again. But what happens when we self-protect and insulate our hearts, yes, we do typically keep bad people and bad circumstances out, but we also keep good people out and good circumstances and the healer himself. And as a result of that, what happens is, folks, is we suffocate and atrophy our spirit. Imagine I had a rope and tied this around my arm and cinched it tight. After a while, the circulation in my arm would go away and I would, use, I would lose use of this arm. When many of us experience painful circumstances, we self-protect and say, I can't trust you. In fact, you don't hear me. The circumstances in my life would not have happened the way they did if you loved me and so I'm gonna self-protect I'm gonna isolate myself and I suffocate and atrophy my spirit which needs the life and truth of his word and his spirit so the only recourse folks is that we turn to shame and blame I told you you weren't trustworthy see we hide inside ourselves and then we believe we're alone we think like we're alone we talk like we're alone, and we live as though we are alone. Our perspective about our position in life determines the, come on somebody, yes, the posture by which we live life. If you've been in this or are in this, here's how to break the cycle. Stay seated. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6 says, we are seated in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Jesus. We are seated. Father's here. Jesus is here. And in our identity, we're close enough in proximity to say, Father, what should I do about this circumstance? What should I hear about this circumstance? What should I know about this circumstance? What should I do? If you're stuck and alone, it's time to come home and it's time to stay seated. But this is where a lot of people kind of miss. The enemy's over there. Fear and shame is over there. And he asks... What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? So what he looks to try to do is get us up from being seated and fight our own battles and our own strength. He's already defeated. Can I tell you right now, God has no enemies. Like, Satan is a created being. He's already defeated. Jesus has the keys. The enemy is not looking to get you or me on his side. He's looking to get you or me on our own side. We're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, blood-bought in the house. It is now we who are members of this house. And over here he says, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? The moment we leave our position from being seated is the moment we're fighting in our own strength. We were never called to fight our own battles, in our own strength. It is the promise of your position. You are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. If you are tired of being stuck and alone inside the very real, very painful circumstances of your life, I'm not asking you today to take an eraser to those, to move on. I'm asking you to move forward though. In my own circumstance, I never had to move on, but I did have to move forward because what was at stake was my purpose and my potential. And the same is true for you today, my friend. I told Chris, when I was preparing for this, I really sought the Lord because I don't want to just give a good message. I want to to get the burden of the Lord. And so the burden of the Lord, the team's going to sing and and ministry team, prayer team, if you guys want to come forward right now, um, we're going to sing. And we're going to make declaration of who we are in Christ. If you're stuck and alone, it's time to come home. If you're stuck in shame, it's time to come home. The burden of the Lord that I felt today coming in is that the Lord wanted to roll the reproach of shame off of many people's lives. Isaiah 54 says this, Fear not, for you shall not be ashamed, neither be confounded and depressed, for you shall be not be put to shame for you shall forget the shame of your youth. Many of you are carrying shame from your youth. Mistakes you've made, choices you've made, losses you've endured. And that little boy inside your spirit, that little girl inside your spirit is saying, don't you dare step out again. You're broken. There's no hope for your life. If you're carrying the weight of shame today, I believe in Jesus' name that the Father is going to roll off the reproach of shame of your life. A believed lie keeps you imprisoned. Metanoia, repentance. Out of darkness into his marvelous light. Today, I believe there is a repentance where you say, God, confession. that Lord, I I actually don't believe you're here with me. You know, a lot of times we think, Confession is saying we're sorry for a bunch of stuff, which it is, but is more specifically truth telling. Father, I don't believe you're in my circumstance right now. Lord, I don't believe you can change my life. Lord, I don't believe you can bring a redemption. Lord, I don't believe that this circumstance could ever turn around. And when you confess, he goes, Oh, now we're talking truth. And then what the Lord does is comes at us in repentance by filling us with his truth. And that that is the metanoia, the about face. where We then head into a new direction. I believe today's a new day. I believe in the calendar of the Lord, it is a new day for many of you. If you're stuck and alone, it's time to come home. Your perspective about your position determines the posture by which you live every life. So the team's gonna lead us. We're gonna sing. And if you wanna roll off the reproach of your shame from years ago or yesterday, I want you to come forward. I want you to pray with these precious people. And we're going to make declarations in Jesus' name. They're going to change the trajectory of our life. Amen.
0: Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.